and thank you for joining us for another episode of Hope for Healthcare with Dr. Katie Cole in partnership with ICD Healthcare Network. Dr. Katie Cole is a holistic physician, organizational well-being consultant, and change agent, working with industry leaders and proven strategies to heal our national healthcare system and our culture of medicine. Stay tuned to hear today's speaker. Well, welcome everyone to Hope for Healthcare. This is a podcast in which we interview expert leaders around the country on best practices for healing our national healthcare system and our culture of medicine. I want to extend a very warm welcome today to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Cece Hugh. Dr. Hugh is a co-founder and chief well-being economist at Adelan, a woman-led mission-oriented company focused on using machine learning or AI to predict and prevent clinician burnout and turnover. She is also a research fellow at the Center for Labor and a Just Economy at Harvard Law School and research economist at the National Bureau of Economic Research, where she focuses her work on clinician burnout. Her expertise is in risk science, where her work has received media attention from around the world, including the World Economic Forum, Sky News, the UN, and many other global organizations. Well, welcome. And I forgot to ask what you want me to call you during the interview, Cece or Dr. Hugh, <clears throat> but welcome to Hope for Healthcare. <laughs> Thank you so much, Katie. Well, Cece is fine. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Well, thank you for being willing to come on the podcast today. I know we have a lot of exciting things to talk about, and I'm really curious. You know, initially, I always like to know what your story is in terms of how you became interested in uh, studying and researching clinician burnout in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much, Katie, first of all, for having me here. It's an honor to be here and to be with you and with your audience. Um, yes, my name is Cece. Um, um, you may have guessed uh, from my slight British accent, I I come from the, I grew up in the UK. Um, so I, before coming to the US, I did a lot of uh, research um, in um basically risk science and specifically in the context of climate change. Um, I was really working on how to understand the like climate risks and develop models to come up with um, uh, sort of interventions or inter sort of adaptation ways to solve the problem. Um, so um, I came to the US about six years ago during the last year of my PhD. Um, I was finishing my PhD back home in the in at Oxford in the UK. And then I came here for my postdoc um, and um, started my postdoc at Harvard around um, looking at uh, really labor issues. I kind of changed gear a little bit. And during COVID, we very luckily received a National Science, uh, Science Foundation funded grant um, looking at COVID impact on healthcare workers that's when I really started sort of get, getting into this space and getting really interested and passionate about it um, because I talked to more than 100 um, health systems across the country, about 150 healthcare leaders and, um, you know, clinicians um, by now. And basically, I... I, I felt very emotionally connected with our with the people that I spoke with because we we I literally had physicians and you know nurses break down in front of me and um that was really heartbreaking for for me to see and I started thinking oh my gosh if we had you know a health system like a health care industry that doesn't have nurses and um doctors and and other clinical you know staff we would really be struggling as patients right so I kind of 
really decided I thought, yeah. yeah so you know like they're burning out and they're really struggling and they're leaving the healthcare industry this is not an okay thing so this for me it was more like a personal calling I thought okay if I'm able to contribute on this issue mm -hmm. um I would just love to work on this and got really passionate about it yeah um <laughs> thank you thank you for your passion as a scientist and coming in to help us figure out how we can move forward in a healthier manner so i appreciate that uh, yeah thank you for your kind words um and i think during my research i really found something quite extraordinary like um as an economist um i i am used to using economics to to do different things um, but I think in medicine, at least in the interviews I did, um, I found that economics for our clinicians is a very traumatizing phenomenon. So you're constantly told you need to see more patients, you need to generate more REU, you need to be more productive. But it's not, economics shouldn't be this way. And, it, you know, really, I, I feel, I think economics, if, if it's done the right way, it can be used by our clinicians as an empowerment tool and you know because economics you can you can actually show the true cost of burnout right you can you can prove to people that hey this is a really problematic issue and you can also use it to calculate the returns on investment of doing something about it so economics really should be a tool um that is used by our clinicians or leaders to really fight for their own well-being because you you know this is something that is really important um and it's really important to demonstrate the sort of business case um, in investing in clinician well-being. So that's what I found during my research. Um, and I really, I really want to, um, and I realized th this whole piece is missing in in academia right now. So the economics of the clinician well-being. So I really want to, you know, work with our health system partners and um, basically to create a new field of the economics of well-being, well-being economics. And it's kind of built on the foundations of like compassion economics and the other sort of emerging fields that really are starting to tackle this issue um but i really really want to do some um good around there on that topic well great and i you know i'm really curious our audience is definitely going to want to know more about the platform that you built with your business partner and what you're actually doing with healthcare systems nationwide currently Absolutely. Um, so before we dive into the platform, I do want to tell a little story of how Absolutely. we um, actually started. So um, when I was doing all this research during COVID, um, actually one of my best friends, um, whom I've known for years, um, Tiffany, um, she basically is someone I met at Harvard back in the days. Um, and she came to me and she was independently working on a, um, uh, a project on clinician well-being. And um, she is a sort. Let me say, like she's a she's somebody who's who acts on things, and she's somebody who is really an inspirational source. And she's a little crazy, to be honest, um, but crazy in a very very good way. Okay, um, you know, <laughs> like, remember, so I'm a psychiatrist, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just that she's just full of energy, and she wants to make a difference. So she kind of reached out to me, and she was like, "Well, you're doing research on, you know." well, clinician burnout and well-being, I'm working on something similar, you know, you have this kind of research background, I have this sort of operational sort of implementation background, we should do something about this, she's very passionate, and she was like, 
do you want to develop something, you know, like a, a tool or to help our health system leaders to really tackle this? And I was like, oh, well, I kind of, you know, have a relatively stable and established career in research. Why would I jump out? And um, I told her, like, if you jump, I will jump. I was kind of jokingly, but I did not expect that she would jump, actually. So she actually jumped and she declined six job offers after she finished at grad school. Um, and she basically said, look, I'm doing it now. Are you coming or not? <laughs> so I was like, shoot, okay, I'm coming. So we um, founded, we co-founded the company together at Len. And our company mission is to help our healthcare workers and specifically to support health systems to um, basically um, uh, measure and benchmark um, and really mitigate like clinician um, burnout and turnover using data and data-driven technologies. So that's kind of where we come from. Um, in terms of the platform itself, um, it's really um, used by um, health systems at multiple levels. So C-suite leaders, as well as local leaders, they use our platform basically to do hotspotting of risk. Um, of So basically identify the hotspots and units that are really burning and needing help. Um, they use our system to um, basically budget. Um, so essentially we calculate in the background what are the costs of turnover? What are the costs of burnout? And how much you should be budgeting? Um, and then we also help our system partners to track interventions um, and document basically interventions so that in the background with um, time, you know where, whether your interventions are working or not. So like in essence, that is what the platform is designed to do. Okay. Well, so, and can you tell us a little bit about how you came um to how you created your model over time and, and the interview process with hospitals and healthcare leaders nationwide and maybe some lessons that you learned ahead of time before building the model? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we built the model from using a very scientific approach. We basically, as a team um, of scientists, um, we read, uh, I think it's probably 3,000 or 4,000, like thousands of papers, scientific papers that basically um, looked into what are the predictors of clinician burnout and turnover. So we drew those predictors out um, in the literature and then basically we ma marry them with um, raw data that health systems already have. So um, those are EHR data and HRIS data and any survey data they already have. And then we basically um, feature engineer the raw data into these predictors and then build an ensemble of machine learning models that basically process the data and then um, generate insights that are actionable. So those are insights are basically, you know, hotspots at unit, but also not just the sort of like burnout and turnover risk at the individual level, but also why, like the reasons as to why people are struggling. So with that information, everything is aggregated up to the unit level. So the unit like clinical leaders can actually act on this information and develop really um, sort of risk driver targeted um, interventions that is very sort of can be much more effective right mm -hmm. and then we basically built another set of economics model to track the effect size and also the ROI of different interventions over time so that's like the process um, that we sort of um, went and we worked very closely developing all these models with our health system partners so they would tell us hey, this, you know, risk factor does not make sense. Um, you should not, because it's not actionable. What we found a lot of the predictors are also um, 
are things that would improve the model accuracy, but they wouldn't actually necessarily be easy to to act on. Can you give us an example of that? Um, I'm thinking, uh, let's say, like department name, right? Like, so basically, the hypothesis like different specialties have different risk drivers, which is true. But it it's the variable in itself is a department name. Um, pause. I don't know if we need to go into the detail. Do you think, I mean, I can explain it to you. Like basically, let's say department name would actually be a big predictor. A big, and the hypothesis, the intuition behind it is because, you know, let's say emergency care, it's just usually it's a very special, you know, department that is, has very high risk of burnout, burnout and turnover. Um, that would come up. But then what would you act on it? Like, what would you act on a department name it's not things like you know weekend hours or like pajama time where you can actually go deeper and be you know say hey this is a work distribution issue maybe and then we can do interventions but Mm -hmm. in our predictors we put in a lot of uh, variables or predictors that actually matter for the models but they don't necessarily matter so but but it's actually really that I think that's the hard part about the science the science you know you can put in much you know a lot of data but how do you actually translate the model results into something that is actionable and that's what we spend a lot of time doing for every risk factor we develop a set of implement like intervention strategies that are actionable so everything we surface is you can do something about it that's mm-hmm. the, the philosophy behind the, the the design of the platform and you know one of the things that we had talked about earlier is that your model is different and then it's not just retrospective because that's the feedback that you got from a lot of you know healthcare leadership around the concept of wanting something that can, that can actually look into the future and give them a sense of what's happening in the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. So uh, we hear a lot from our health um, partners that basically right now they are um, relying on surveys, which are great. Um, they want us to be actually um, uh, a complement to the surveys mm-hmm. because they are. Um, they usually, yeah, examine, you know, identify some risk areas or like problem areas using the survey, but surveys um, cannot really predict ahead of time. So they, the, the healthcare partners ask us, hey, can you look at the survey data for us and also look at other data sources that we have so we can actually get ahead of the game. So we really come in as a complement to surveys where we help our partners to um, look ahead like six to 18 months um, you know into the future predict but um, because typically surveys have um, quite low response rates um, it's around nationally it's around 30 percent um, so if you are really you know developing that's one of the pain points actually our partners tell us hey you know I have bad survey response rate can you help us find other data sources that can cover the, the 70% of the people who are not actually responding but we know that they are really uh, more at risk of being disengaged and, and stuff like that so um we we developed a set of models that actually take um you know data you already have and covers everyone so mm-hmm. that's how we are really quite different um i guess in that sort of in a complementary approach um but we also within the platform itself we have developed all these different models right to try and basically um calculate the roi and budget and like um, for interventions and th- those are things that surveys um, um, are not really designed to do yet um, at, th- at this stage so that's how we are kind of like really work together with surveys um, and we are slightly different. Got it well I, mean, I think that's a really important point to talk about because 
you know, there are a lot, you know, every hospital and healthcare system is doing their own thing when it comes to where they are even on the continuum of looking at well-being for employees that they've even employed a survey but i really like what you said earlier about that your model uses whatever the healthcare system has already done and including all of the hr data and taking data points from the electronic medical record um so cc you know earlier in our discussion we also talked about the fact that you and your partner tiffany are in the process of designing a national consortium. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like and give us a sense of when that's gonna launch? Absolutely, thank you. So um, we, when we did this research, we find actually, you know, what is really missing is, mm-hmm. is the intervention piece. What is the real time evidence on whether things are working or not in the literature? Um, they are some good papers, very, very good papers, but which all kind of happen in an experiment setting, right? So you would say, you know, this is the intervention pilot that we would do, and we would observe the before and after. Um, but that's really challenging because, you know, how our healthcare partners and the people that we've interviewed, they're like, that doesn't really necessarily apply to me. Like, how does it, there's no guidance around how I can implement these. What is the how did you come to this particular outcome right like in the papers and there are there is literally no very little amount of actual um localized level type of um documentation or literature around interventions so that was the big challenge that we wanted to really address through this national consortium on intervention you know evidence and what we want to do is essentially within our tool within our platform local leaders or the people who are really responsible for implementing the interventions they actually have a um a space to document their what they're doing and who is involved what budget falls under so what we want we have all that data right we will have all that data and what we want to do is with that data you actually have a timestamp of when the intervention was launched who were involved and what are the outcomes were you know the metrics that we're tracking so over time we will be able to provide that real-time evidence of what actually happened after a particular intervention is launched. And we wanna create that database uh, at multiple settings across different you know, units so that people can start sharing what is, you know, are the actual implementation steps in addition to the evidence on the interventions. What is working? What's not working? Who was the actual, you know, were the stakeholders that made things happen? And actually, if you imagine if you have one system and you have evidence on, oh, you know, other unit have, you know, successfully got some evidence in a particular metric and they reached out to this particular person. I should be doing that maybe. So it really helps break down that barrier, like that problem where people don't know, you know, who to talk to in order to get resources, right? So we're really trying to um, create that um, system and also then create benchmarks around, you know, standards and, and so you can sort of see how well you can improve in the future and that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's great. And I think, you know, we all agree that, you know, healthcare is definitely so siloed. And that's been sort of part of the the well-being movement is that we really want to bring all the information together and, and try to break down those silos, because that's part of growing is sharing what we've learned along the way in every healthcare system and and location is just so unique within their own, you know, burnout factors, turnover, what's what's driving um, 
their costs as well. So I like that you are building the national consortium and, you know, I'll look forward to seeing how that goes and we'll probably check back in in another year to see how things are going along with that project. Yeah. That would be great, we're excited. <laughs> um, well, Cece, you've really, you know, done a great deep dive, I think, into your process with Tiffany and how you guys came up with your model. And um, is there anything else that you wanna share with the audience? Any last um, them? Yes, actually. So last thing that I would love to share is that we are launching a new a version of our platform um, in October with um, eight health system partners across the country. They're all kind of well-being leaders um, right now. And um, the the great things about uh, why I'm excited about the platform is because it's now got all the features that I really wanted to push into the into the platform and that it's not just about a data dashboard it's actually about action how do we use technology to um, encourage empower action planning at every step of the way in the well-being journey for health system um, uh, well-being champions and leaders mm -hmm. well great and you know if I'm a healthcare leader whether I'm in the C-suite, CWO, um, chief nursing officer, and I'm listening today, how is what is the best way for me to get started and to reach out to you for a consultation? Yes, that's that would be great. So um, if you are happy to um, please reach out to me via email or uh, LinkedIn. Um, um, so my email is um, cc at atlantech.com. Um, and I'm very easily findable on LinkedIn. It's C C C S I S I um she who X I H U. Um, and if you search Atlan, it will come up. Oh, wonderful. And for all of those all of those of you listening today, I will have all this information on CC's bio page on my website as well as LinkedIn, and we'll have links to the article too to that um goes more into detail describing her model that she developed with Tiffany. So, well, thank you so much for being here today, Cece. I really appreciate your time and thank you for your dedication and commitment to healthcare well-being. Thank you, Katie, so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. And um, everyone, I hope that you have a great rest of your week and I'll see you soon.